I wish you could have been there with me exactly one week ago today. I was in Barry, Massachusetts at the closing circle of a teen meditation retreat. I wish you could have been there to hear what these teens had to say. After five days of silent meditation practices, deep discussions, workshops, we all gathered in a big circle, like if we put all of our chairs in a circle so we could see each other with maybe some more windows, uh, like you can see the trees dancing outside, the birds celebrating with us. That was the vibe in this space. I hope you can get a feel for it. One of the teens stepped into the circle to share, saying this retreat was the first time they felt not just willing to live, but worthy of living. Another teen shared that out in the world, he's always doing a bit. He's playing a role based on what he thinks the other people want him to be. He's a funny guy, the athlete, the smart one. But in this community space, he felt like it was enough to just, just to be himself. Another teen shared she never knew people could be this genuinely nice. And another one came in and just Tears running down his face, just bowed without words. Wasn't utopia, this wasn't a like perfect community. There were bumps, there were conflicts that came up. But so many of these teens came through it, speaking about a, a deeper kind of love than they had ever felt before. A love that made them feel at ease with themselves and one another. Have you ever heard of teens feeling at ease with themselves or at other, well, another? That was, wasn't my teenage experience, for sure. It's also not usually my adult experience. But here they were feeling at ease. I wish you could have been there, because isn't that what we want our beloved community to feel like? Not just for some teens on a meditation retreat, but for all of us. The kind of community that respects your basic human rights, and also makes you feel deep belonging for everything you are. Maybe some of us have experienced that in community before. I, I hope so. Or maybe that feels really out of reach to you. In the same way that some of those visions of beloved community we were talking about earlier, or the beloved community that Martin Luther King spoke about, those can feel out of reach times too. One of the teens who had moved around a lot in his life, including periods of experiencing homelessness, shared he never thought community would be for him. But he said this retreat showed him it could be, that it was possible for him too. The writer and activist Adrian Marie Brown says, we must create patterns that cycle upwards. And I left that retreat with hope and optimism that beloved community is possible, that we can create those patterns at home, and if we can create them at home, they can cycle upwards. But I think it's gonna take some work. <laughs> Starting off with getting clear about what we mean by love. Bell Hooks says, love is the primary way we end domination and oppression. 
But in her essay, Love as the Practice of Freedom, she writes, many people feel unable to love either themselves or others because they do not know what love is. If love is how we end oppression, but we don't always know what love is, we got a problem. So what is love? As our opening hymn asked of us earlier today, Cynthia. And I'm especially curious, what was the love that was happening on that retreat? This love the teens were talking about, this transformative love that allowed them to come home to themselves and each other. What was that love? What were its qualities? How did it come to be? Three aspects of it stand out to me today. The first is presence. These teens, 35 of them, gave up their cell phones for five days. Well, that's a big deal. That's like a, a teenager cutting off their third hand. It's really something. They also gave up their vapes, their substances, TV and media of all kinds, so they could be there with each other, with themselves. And then in that space, they were actively practicing presence. They spent about seven hours a day in silent meditation practices. And the rest of the time, they were engaged in deep conversation and sharing and play with each other. One of the teens told me this kind of presence made it feel like they were all young kids again. We cannot love what we aren't present for. That's the foundation of this transformational love. Second quality of that love was curiosity. Curiosity about themselves and their experiences and curiosity about others and the experiences of others. Meditation is a practice of curiosity, you could say. We get to see what's happening in our mind all of the time. Usually it's just too noisy for us to notice, you know, what's driving us, what's happening up there. But in meditation, things settle and you can see, oh, this is what's happening all the rest of my life. One of the teens shared, even though he's always been sexually abstinent on these retreats, he's learned more about his sexuality there than anywhere else, just by watching his mind. And that's knowing that helps him care for himself and care for others. Can you feel the love in that? And they were also loving through curiosity about one another. They met for two hours each day in small groups to share about themselves, sometimes saying things that they've never told anyone else before. One of the games they played is called Hot Seat, and the way this game works is take turns in the hot seat fielding questions from each other. And when you're in the hot seat, you get to decide how hot you want it to get. You've got the control of the burner, so you can say, okay, I want one out of ten hotness. And then you're getting questions like, what's your favorite color? Or you can say, I want to go 10 out of 10 hotness. And then maybe you'll get a question like, what's something you're really self-conscious about? What's your deepest fear in life? And that's not just for teens, by the way. When they went to bed, the adults would get together and play hot seat. It's good, wholesome fun for everyone. Bell Hooks says, the essence of true love is mutual recognition. Two individuals seeing each other as they really are. And these teens were practicing that. They were bringing curiosity to each other, some with similar experiences, some with very different experiences. 
and learning about one another. Third aspect of this love is they were welcoming what their presence and curiosity were revealing, including parts of themselves that were hard to welcome, hard to accept. One of these teens was telling me he was really having a hard time with homesickness, which I can relate to. That was a big one for me. Um, but he said in meditation, he was welcoming those feelings of homesickness. And in doing that, he started to feel more at home when he stopped fighting it. And then when they were sharing challenging parts of themselves with other, each other, the welcoming they received externally helped them find that welcoming internally. Sometimes we need that kind of help. And when we're welcoming ourselves, we just naturally start to welcome others. And this is where the magic really starts to take off. Early in the retreat, I noticed a kid who was spending a lot of time by himself, really quiet kid, um, seemed to be having a hard time. And one day at dinner, I saw him. He was sitting in a corner all by himself. It was almost like he was kind of trying not to hide, like hide the fact that he was all alone. Oh, my heart broke a little bit when I saw him there. So, okay, maybe I'll go sit next to him, see how he's doing. But just at that moment, from the opposite end of the dining room, this group of teens, they yelled out. They said, hey, you want to come sit with us? And this teen, you should have seen his face. He was just like lit up, smiled. Gathered his things and went over. I was doing this in the corner watching this. I was like tearing up a little bit, just casually wiping my eyes. Ah, that welcoming. So what is love? Based on this retreat, I want to suggest this working definition. Love is offering presence, curiosity, and welcoming to ourselves and others. But why does that love have such power? I want to go back to that story of the kid in the dining hall, because I, I spoke with one of these teens who welcomed him over, and he said since he had been connecting with these qualities, presence, curiosity, welcoming, he was more aware of how painful it is to feel left out in his own experience. So we saw this kid sitting there by himself, and he just felt this natural urge to invite him over. Because he said, we're not that different. Meaning, if it hurts me to be left out, it probably hurts you. And if it hurts you, it hurts me. And we see the power in that. That's a really powerful kind of love. It's different from a kind of love that comes from an external demand, oh, be nice, or do the right thing. That was love that wasn't coming from outside, it wasn't coming from the head, that was coming from the heart. That's the most powerful place there is. That's the kind of love that gives people strength to lift cars off of children. It's the kind of love that can power us through the ups and downs in the long arc towards justice. It's the kind of love that made these teens feel so at home with themselves and the world there. Imagine what our political and social structures would look like if we all knew, not just intellectually, but in our gut, if it hurts you, it hurts me. Bell Hooks says, 
Listen to the voices of hope that speak to us, that speak to our hearts. The voices of angels. When angels speak of love, they tell us it is only by loving that we enter an earthly paradise. I think if we listen to those voices of hope, these teens, these angels, we'd hear them tell us more is possible than we can imagine. But I think we'd also hear it's not just going to happen on its own. One of the teens told me the love wouldn't have materialized like that if it was just a summer camp. But the same teens in summer camp, it's not the same. This transformative love that brought tears to their eyes grew from practices. Bell Hooks talks about loving practices. It was love not as a noun, but as a verb. This wasn't a beloved community. This was a be-loving community, active and intentional. So I think the voices of hope are asking us to follow in their footsteps, to find the loving practices that work for us, to cultivate more presence curiosity and welcoming of ourselves and others, not just as self-care, but as community care to support this field of transformative love that can cycle upwards and can be the foundation for the beloved community of our dreams. So maybe those practices are meditation, maybe it's putting devices away, maybe it's sharing something you've never told anyone before, maybe it's asking to hear the story of someone you've never listened to before. It's been a week since the teens went home. I've been imagining them in this transition, wondering what that's been like for them. It hasn't been easy for me. It's different out here. Not the same kind of love. But the thing is, we left the retreat knowing in our bones what love is. We left the retreat knowing what's possible. And that knowing, that knowledge is, is a North Star that's gonna guide us towards finding and creating the relationships, the spaces, the future where beloved community isn't just an idea, it's not just a story and a sermon, where it's not just a retreat from the world, where beloved community is the world. I wish you could have been there. Now you carry a little taste of that knowing with you too. You know what might be possible for us. So let that guide us towards our earthly paradise of love. Thank you. Hello, thank you all for joining us. I am Deborah, um, teacher Deb. I am the religious education assistant. I use she and they pronouns. I'm very excited to be here. Um, talking with James, who gave us our sermon today about the beloved community. Thank you for being here with us, James. Thank you, Deborah. Really nice to be here. Yes. Um, my first question is, what inspired this message? So, uh, as you heard in the message, I was on this teen meditation retreat, and just the energy in the room at that at the closing circle, uh, there was something that happened there that kind of filled me up with hope. And I needed that. I was like dry. Um, so I really needed that. And I just had a sense that others needed it too. Um, so that was sort of my hope and intention was 
something special happened there, something that made me feel like, oh, there's, there's a chance of kind of like learning how to be with one another in a different way. And if it's possible there, it's possible in other places too. And I, I thought that that was a message that could be helpful in general. I'm glad that you listened to that <laughs> um, inside the inspiration and hearing that to bring forth today. Uh, what resources, what other resources did you draw from other than just that experience? Yeah, um, definitely Bell Hooks. So Bell Hooks' book, all about love, um, I find to be a really powerful articulation of kind of uh, what love can do in a lot of different ways. And it's uh, especially appreciate Bell Hooks' insistence on like, what does love mean? Like we need to define it because it's one of those words that can just kind of fluff off into thin air um, and mean whatever we want it to mean. But um, getting to the kind of concreteness of it. So that was kind of the inspiration for like, oh, okay. Bell Hooks sort of saying, we need a definition of love. And then I was like, well, this was just a lot of love that I was feeling there. Like, what was that love? So I, th I think it was, it was the Bell Hooks, um, that encouragement that inspired this look, deep look at what was happening on that retreat, kind of what was that love? Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and yeah, uh, Think that was probably the main in inspiration but obviously so many other i mean these teens were the inspiration and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just kind of what they were experiencing in this container of retreat but also just these teens were awesome they were <laughs> in conversations with them i was so blown away by some of the insightful things they were sharing and saying um so they were an inspiration um yeah Mm -hmm. Those are the two big ones. Great. Oh, it is amazing how youth have such a voice and a understanding that they, I hope we keep listening to their voices as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, because especially at that age, I think they're just so teenagers are so kind of cracked open. There's like a vulnerability to being mm -hmm. a teenager. You're like in this liminal space and like we're all in a liminal space right now. And mm -hmm. something about the teenage brain maybe or the teenage mind that's like maybe more accustomed uh, to that or, or like mm -hmm. lives it in a different way um mm -hmm. so and mm -hmm. then you put a bunch of them together and it's like magical what can happen <laughs> amazing uh, my final question for you is how do you think we should deal with conflict in a beloved community what insights do you have that you could share with us yeah thank you for that question that's one of those things that um I kind of wish that I had had some more space or time to bring into the reflection. Um, I think the same principles apply this definition of love that I was playing with of presence, uh, curiosity and welcoming. I think the same principles apply to conflict. It's not like the loving community is not some kind of harmonious, totally like smooth all the time, like, oh, lovey-dovey, right? That's <laughs> not actually the definition that I gave. The definition was, um, presence, curiosity, and welcoming to whatever is coming up, to whatever mm -hmm. is happening. Mm -hmm. So that means when conflict's coming up, you know, we apply those same principles there. So present for it. That means it's like not sweeping it under the rug. Yeah. Um, it's acknowledging it. Um, when there's conflict present, we bring curiosity to it. Like, what was it that happened? How were different people affected by whatever the conflict is? Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? 
um, and welcoming it as like a part of our human experience. We're, we're human beings like uh, always gonna rub up and bump into each other. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that's gonna change no matter how beloving our communities are. There's always gonna be like moments or, oh, like, oh, I <laughs> bumped into you here. Um, so then it's about what happens after that. And I think too, you know, there is something about the more that we are present and curious and welcoming, I think that does also help to reduce in some ways conflict, like the teens, mm. some of the teens were sh sharing about how several of them noticed they were interrupting each other less mm. because they were just like, one of them was telling me, yeah, I was noticing all this energy and excitement. and like, I, I want to say something. I want to say something. But I was like aware of like, oh, someone else is talking. Like, I'm not going to say in a way that I wouldn't have been in a other setting in another context. Mm. So there's some way that like these pra practices of loving, they, they kind of can help create a container that is more harmonious, but definitely not uh, always. And there still are going to be uh, harm. There's still going to be harm and um, mm -hmm. conflicts that arise. But then I think the same principles are kind of uh, can be a guide to to what to do. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending some time sharing this message today, and then also just giving insight into where it came from and things we can take with us. <laughs> oh, thank you, Deborah. Really nice yes. to be up there with you today, too. Yes. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, James.